Yeah, well, I, I greet you and and um, I've been looking forward to bringing the message this this morning. Um, as as I woke up twice during the night, um, just hearing these words, tupos. Um, well, it's it's actually how the message, uh, this message. Uh, is growing more and more, and um, you know the word tupos is a it's a Greek word, and it it's a word that means in English you use the word example or ensample, but it means to be like a blueprint, a model, a pattern, you know, a design. And it kind of has this idea of like a, a typewriter. The word tupos, it means to, to strike like a blow, but to leave a print. So, you know these olden typewriters where you... Tick, 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 and then when the thing hits the paper with that blow, it leaves a mark, a letter, the ink that is put in. Right? And that's kind of what that word tupos means. And I never, you know, you, you, the Holy Spirit starts with you somewhere, but you never know where that message is going to. Uh, as it grows, it leads you into places unexpectedly that you were not intended to go, neither were you searching, but perhaps you had these questions. And so, from Second Corinthians chapter 8, there has been... There has been a few keys that I've identified besides the fact of just giving. So I told you that you give, a, in, you give also to, uh, to the poor. You give to those who are not poor. Uh, maybe you bless your friend or somebody you want to honor. Uh, but then you also give to leaders and towards uh, the work of the Lord, right? And, and so there were these, these different ways of giving or in different directions in which you give. And as we, as, um, we kind of journey into this message, I have uh, found interesting things that contribute to, to breaking free from the spirit of poverty, Right? So today, I kind of have this feeling to wrap up, uh, not actually the message of poverty, but um, the subject of giving generously. I'll wrap it up and then move into a, another sub kind of heading. Um, kind of still have to decide, should I stop the title and just give a new title? Because I say, you know, yes, so YouTube scene, session 18. I think you know. Yes, moet ek nou daar eerste ene gaan luister om tot by hier uit te kom. <laughs> but anyway, we still be busy with the same thing. So I'm kind of wrapping up because, you know, my, my spirit man feels kind of like, um, it's like it's got nothing anymore to say. Although there is still more to say. It doesn't mean that I don't have more content that the Holy Spirit gave me, but it kind of feels like, okay, it's enough, right? Um, so, 
we're going to, I'm going to kind of wrap up and start something new today. Or not new, we're still busy with this issue of poverty, right? But I'm giving you different keys. Tell the person next to you it's different keys. So actually you should be like ticking off, right? Am I doing this? Am I? Okay. You self-check yourself. Okay? You do that. You do, as we say in the apostolic, do an audit upon yourself. Uh, and, and see, am I giving? There are already testimonies that we, that we are experiencing. I just don't know why people don't share their testimonies on the group. But either way, there are testimonies of what this word is doing. And we will still continue that. So I'm going to kind of just give a wrap up and then start into something um, different, still related to the issue of poverty, right? So um, I just want to give you a, a, a few kind of reminders. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 4. Okay, so it says here, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So this is kind of speaking of, you know, giving generously your charitable deeds or your works of righteousness. Give to men, right? And, but don't give it in such a way that you are telling everybody about it. Okay? Because then you will not have your reward from your father. You will have a reward. It just won't come from your father. Okay? So, if I tell Asher, no, I decided I'm going to give um, Smitty $2,000. I say, sure, Pastor. Yes, that's nice. Pastor, do really good I got my reward. <laughs> I get nothing from my father because I just got my reward because I was looking for praise for what I was doing. Right? And that's many times the reason why we would tell somebody. And sometimes in our excitement about things, about giving and understanding the word and we are excited and we do things and then we desire to share. But I just kind of wanted to give you that tip you know, keep it for yourself until, you, until the reward comes from your father. Once the reward comes from your father, now share. Now say what happened and so on. And, um, and that is the, 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 the good and healthy way so that your giving doesn't, is, does not uh, disappoint you. Right? So you're giving, so you're not disappointed in your practice of giving. Are you all with me? Alright? So, uh, let's read verses 2. It says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So if the reason and the motive behind your sharing you know, if you don't check yourself, if you, the reason for sh uh, sharing with someone is so that you could get praise from them, then uh, you've got what you were looking for. 
right? So don't be upset with your heavenly father if he doesn't reward you because you got your reward. You got what you were looking for. Uh, next verse. Uh, but when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay? So let's basically just keep it between you and the Father. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly, publicly, for everybody to see and experience what's happening in your, in your life. Right? Now, um, so, when you decide to give and keep it between you and the Father, because your Father rewards you. And the main point I want to make here is, is that there is a reward for your giving. I just want you to understand it. There is a reward for your giving. But if you are not experiencing the reward, then you must, then you must check what are you doing. How are you doing it? Right? Because the Bible also says that God loves a cheerful giver, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity. Right? And so sometimes you must start with your heart. And that's why the first sessions were all prep. Because when we were talking about poverty, we were talking about it affects upon you. The bitterness it can put in you, you know, the hurt and the pain and, and just the things that you struggle with. Because of the harshness uh, of what you went through, right? And so you need to check your heart. So that was prepping. So in that period, there was a lot of tears, crying, and so on. Now we're not really getting into the crying and the tears. We are getting into, oh, this is the way. So we're moving away from the way of poverty into the way of giving of grace. It's a different way, right? And so your, your, there is a reward, there is a reward. The Father does reward, right? Let's read Matthew chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. And he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. So there is a reward for receiving someone. Um, and the word receive there is a word that implies that there was action to that receiving. Right? It's not just a, oh, I receive you. There is a, as an action towards it. It's like a tennis ball. You've got to bounce it, which means there was a release for it to receive back. That's the word receive. It has that implication. It means that, right? There is a reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. There is rewards for receiving and doing things, right? Uh, verses 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones, so this is maybe not a righteous person, this is maybe not a prophet, a leader, a bishop, an elder, a saint one. This is just your brother or your sister, someone who just gave their hearts to the Lord and you have decided to give that person a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So you've given water to somebody 
and you will receive your reward if you do it in secret. Right? Okay? Do you, do you understand? So the point that I'm making here is we are rewarded for the things that we do. Right? Um, and when we, when we understand it, then it also encourages us to do it. I mean, one of the reasons why I give is because I know in the giving there are rewards for it. Right? And I know there are things that, that happen with it. So that's why I give. Right? And, and so um, I remember, I remember f- a few years back I, I told the Lord, you know, I want my income to increase. Okay? I, I spoke to the Lord. I had a conversation with Him. I went in secret. Nobody knew. I went in secret. And as I spoke to the Lord, I, I had this impression that the Lord was saying to me, I want you to increase your tithe. That's what the Lord said to me. Okay? You don't do that. Okay? Don't do that. It's not going to work for you. Okay? Because the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Okay? He told me to do that. My step of faith. And I did it. And I experienced that increase. Right? It was in secret. So, again, I didn't come to people and say, Come on, guys, now. Okay? So, we are rewarded, and I understand those things. And like I said to you, when it came to the time of COVID, 2020, the first thing the Lord spoke to me about was finances, when that was everybody's concern. It it was one of the major concerns that people had. My business is going to close, where are we going to go, how are we going to live? And the Lord is instructing me to give, right? And to look for opportunities to give. And I didn't expect my income to increase by my giving. Okay? Are you all with me? So, I, I want you to understand that there is a reward. Okay? I, I have that understanding. I believe in that. Right? And I believe that giving does do something. And therefore, I do practice that. Right? And, um, and so, the scriptures are clear for me. There is a reward for the things that we do. Another scripture says, God is faithful to reward you. For your labor unto the saints. God does labor, uh, reward us for the efforts that we do, right? And um, when they are done in the right spirit, right heart, in the right manner, it brings to us the things that we should experience. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 to 6. So, like I say, I'm just wrapping this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So it says here, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So, uh, obviously we read this last week and I told you that Paul was, was um, with, when he was with the Macedonians, he boasted about the church, church at Corinth, who were saying that they were going to give, right? And that they wanted to participate in helping to meet the needs of the saints. And in doing that, so when Paul, Paul was encouraged by that, by their words. And so when he came to Macedonia, he was telling them, 
right? Because they were the church that was battling with the adversity, the persecution, the struggle with poverty and so on and lack and meeting their needs. And, um, and so he decided to send people ahead of time to the Corinthian church so that they could prepare their gift, right? So therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time. Go before me because I'm going to come to them. And when I get there, I might bring some Macedonians with me. And I can no lekker for Allah say, you guys are going to give. And now when I get there, and then there's nothing, then, then um, we will be ashamed. Then he say, not you, but me. Because I boasted about you. I got lekker for Allah say. Right? And now, I don't want to be embarrassed unless they come and there is no offering. Right? And in the previous chapter, he encouraged the people that you had said that you would do, you had said that you would give, and you made these promises and so on. Now keep your promise that you made. Right? Um, and I said to you that many times people say, You get the work and then you disappear. Then the rapture went early. Right? So, Prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be as a matter of generosity, not as a matter of obligation. So I don't want you to feel that I'm putting pressure upon you. I'm just taking the opportunity because of what you voiced to me, that it is a matter of generosity. Out of your own heart, this is not me trying to force you to do. So all giving is given from the heart, freely, right? generously, and so on, uh, by your own determination. So when he says that, so obviously we are talking about giving financially or materially, right? You all with me? Now, in light of what he said, I'm asking you that which you said, prepare the gift, give it not because I'm forcing you, but out of generosity. Then he says, but I say, verses 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So what he is saying, don't wait. He's actually saying, don't wait for me to say give. Just get this understanding. If you, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. In other words, if you give sparingly, you will receive sparingly. So don't wait for me to say, give. Just start activating it. Right? And that's why I told you, the reason we give grace is so that we unlock the grace to give. And as we practice that giving, there is an increase that comes in that giving. Right? Are you all with me? So that's the reason, that's one of the reasons why we give. So he is saying, just take it upon yourself and come to the conclusion. Right? Don't wait to be told. Just look to give. Look to give. Look to give. Right? And, and, um, and that is what we, that's what we do. We sometimes look at our money that we receive and then I think, okay, for who can I help a little bit with something from what I have received? Right? So it's not a, only a matter of consuming. Right? The spirit of poverty, the mentality and the attitude of poverty makes you a consumer more than you are a distributor. Right? You consume everything. 
And therefore, if you have been in the, in, in the state of poverty and you come into more, all your mind thinks is consume everything upon yourself. There's no mindset of distributing. Who can I help, right? Um, and so this is a different mindset, a different way of thinking, okay? So then verses 7, so adopt this mindset, so, so let each one give as he purposes. So determine in your own heart, am I going to give sparingly or am I going to give bountifully? Let me purpose in my own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, that's so strange. God loves a cheerful giver. I know, I mean, we know that God loves us. But Paul actually goes and says, but God loves a cheerful giver. Right? He loves it when people Give, right? And the word grudgingly speaks of brokenness. Um, and so that's why the first sessions were dealing with the brokenness, the hurt, the pain that came from the lack that you went through, right? And it kind of puts into you a, a you know, a grudging, uh, complaining, you know, type of thing like the, like the, like what happened to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. Every time there was a lack, there was a complaint that came, right? Could not see that God could provide. So, um, so he's actually encouraging. So purpose in your own heart, right? Determine and so on that you will give. And know this, that when you give sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. So you create the measure at which you reap. You do that, right? And this is why I told you that grace must be worked, right? Work the grace of giving. But you have to give with the understanding that I'm giving grace. I'm looking for to give grace. I'm looking to give undeservedly, right? And I said to you, we are not talking about spending. We are talking about giving, right? I can spend a lot, but I don't give a lot, right? And so we are talking about Giving, giving, giving where there could not be a return. Giving without expectation. And your walk is before who? The the Lord. From who are you looking for the reward? From the Lord. So when I give to Lynn, I'm not going to like, okay, I'm going to give her the next time if I'm in trouble. uh, I hope Lynn also decides to give to me. You know, or... I give to certain people so that I hope. So your expectation is not from people. Your expectation is from the Lord. Right? That's why the Bible says, when you work, when you go to your workplace, work as unto the Lord. For from the Lord, you will receive the reward. So does the Lord reward us? Yes, He does. There's ample scriptures that show that the Lord rewards us for our Diligent labor, our giving, our things that we do, right? It is not you serve the Lord and you serve Him in vain, right? Are you all with me? So, um, verses 8. Verses 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work, right? I just had a conversation with somebody this morning now here that was telling me how they gave a certain amount 
Okay, so they could share now their testimony because they already have the reward from the Father. So they shared their testimony saying how they gave a certain amount. And at the end of the day, when they had to calculate how much they got because they wanted to tithe, they saw that they had gotten way more than what they had given. And they gave at that stage out of their little. And they just saw the hand of God. And the grace came in different ways. People gave clothes or People did this and they were blessed in this way and in that way and how it works. And that is the grace. Grace comes undeservedly. You might get a contract for a business that you didn't work for, right? You might get an opportunity that you didn't work for. Things happen in a way of grace, right? It comes to you freely just in the manner that which you give. And I told you in the past I would be very, I would be like, Lord, how do you tell a person that has lack? Give. I mean, that was, the, that was like, I wouldn't venture there. I wouldn't even dare tell you to do that. I'd rather say, trust Jesus. You know, trust Him. And hear from Him. And because there are different ways that you can meet your needs, right? And, uh, and I would rather say something like that, but I wouldn't dare say to you, give. But the more we've gone into this message, the more I've realized you know, this is the things that I do, and, and, and they do work. And I realize that you have to tell someone to give, unlock grace, right? Um, so, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, right? Grace may abound, right? Having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work, right? And so, if the demand in your life increases, then God is able to meet that demand. Uh, we have seen that so many, so many times in our own life, in uh, myself and my wife, how, you know, we continuously give no matter what it is, no matter what season we go through. And um, we sometimes even do things where it is, is our last. Um, so sufficiency in all things that we may have an abundance for every good work. So verses 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. So, so your giving is your righteousness. That does that does not make that does does not mean you will be saved by it has no it it does nothing between you and God. If you understand what I'm saying, you are saved by grace. You are righteous by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing. There is no interference between you and and the Lord. Um, I when we are finished eventually with this message um, of poverty and so on. I want to go back to the doctrine of Christ. Um, it, is a, it is amazing to see um, how, how the, the, the doctrine of Christ is still growing within me. And there's so many wonderful things. And you have received eternal redemption. Take a back seat. Relax. Relax. <laughs> You are saved. 
eternal redemption. Then the Bible talks about receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Which is what? What's your inheritance? Sonship. It's eternal. Once you are saved, you're saved. Right? It's an eternal thing that God does. And then the Bible says, by one offering, he offered himself and he perfected forever them that are sanctified by one offering. In other words, it, it took one to give you an eternal salvation and one offering to sanctify your spirit. One. You know what that means? That means you are in your spirit forever sanctified. And in that context, you cannot sin. That's why you have boldness to enter into the throne. Because that spirit of mine is sanctified forever. Right? The doctrine of Christ. So that is your righteousness with Him. But... In terms of what you enjoy in the life, here and the now, right? It is dependent upon how you work the things that God has given to you, right? And so, your righteousness, your practice, right? There's the scattering to abroad, to my sister, my brother, and here and there. But then there's also the giving to the poor, those that have a lack, right? Okay? So, that is a righteousness, Now, verses 10. Verses 10 says, Now may he who supply seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seeds you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, here you can see that, um, you know, He supplies. He furnishes. Right? He provides. Right? Seed to the sower. And bread for food. So there's two things that God wants to do for you. He wants to supply so that you can distribute. And then He wants to also supply so that you can eat. And love. Right? And that's what I, what I, what I told you. That's what I did. In the lockdown, that was my experience. So every time I, if I got a 2,000, then I'm looking, okay, and so I gave and I ate. And we loved, right? Okay, and we loved, we loved comfortably, but we gave generously, right? And out of all of that. So God furnishes you. So there is an understanding that God furnishes you in your Giving, right? Um, and supply and multiply the seed you have sown. He will supply and he will multiply the seed you have sown. He will supply more to give. So that's why if, if you're not a sower, if you're not a giver, right, then he doesn't supply more to give, right? Are you all with me? Now remember the difference between the Macedonian church and the Corinthian church. They were wealthy before they converted. So they came in with their wealth. These people had nothing, but yet in their giving, God met all their needs. Right? So I'm not necessarily talking about you becoming a billionaire. Right? I'm just talking about there is a way that you can meet your needs, but 
if you grow in it, you can increase in that ability to give more and to have more for yourself. Are you all with me? Okay, so let's go on. And then he says, um, while, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. So the word enrich again to furnish, to abundantly supply, right? For what purpose? For liberality, generosity, right? So again, giving. Now I remember I said, um, just practice giving, just practice um, sharing, right? Just practice uh, giving a hug, just practice encouraging somebody, praying for somebody. Give. It will deliver you from yourself. It will deliver you from your self-centeredness. Right? It will deliver you from the overly concerned worry of what people are thinking. Right? You know, so why would you sometimes not greet somebody? What denk hy van my? As ek om nou groet. Right? But the more you think more about the other person that you are giving the hug to, then what it can do for them, then what it can, then how you will feel, the more you'll be delivered from that feeling. Right? Are you, are you always with, are you with me? So you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Right? You are enriched. So God will in rich you. It is both a spiritual and a, a, a natural. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So verses 12. For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So this thing causes praises to go up to God. Meets the needs of people, right? And it just makes that those who receive praise God and pray for you and bless you and say, The Lord bless you and so on. Verse 13 While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for, for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. So your giving is, is a proof. That there has been obedience to your confession of the gospel. Right? That you are saved and that you do not belong to yourself. And that you were bought with a price. Your, your liberal gener- generous giving is proof that there is an obedience to the gospel of Christ. Right? So, you can see that this has... has um, as a as a way of of bringing back to you and doing many things for people and other people, and God will enrich you furthermore to give. Let's just finish this verse fourteen. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. So now, those to whom you have given, they also pray for you. You know. Go lie in your bed and relax. Somebody's praying for you because you gave. <laughs> you can cause incense to go up to the throne, prayers to go up by your giving. 
Dankie Heere vir die persoon wat nou gehoorzaam was om te gee. Prijs om Heere. Bless om. Alright? Um, and verse 15, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. What a wonderful gift. You know what? Giving, if you are, if you are depressed and you, because you are in a need and somebody gives you, it can release you from depression right there and then. So, right there you are. Thank you, You are free. Right? Until next time, obviously. Right? But, that's why you need to develop your inner stature so that you don't come under the, that depression, but you know what you should do. Okay, so, so we give because our Father is a giver. And it's my calling to manifest Him. And if He's a generous giver, I have received a call to give generously. Right? Are you all with me? It's my calling. Okay. Amen. That's a wrap for that. Okay. You can see, guys, it's not stuff in there. It's clear. Right? It's finished. It's over. Tell the person next to you, be givers. Okay. So, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and let's move on to the two pos. Right? Right, uh, verses, verses uh, 5. Okay, verses 5. So, there is a way that the Macedonian church walked that was, that was, um, um, that was in a way a model. Right? Uh, a model to other churches. Not only in their giving um, to, to help the needs of the saints, but they were also, there was a certain way that they walked with their leaders that allowed them to walk in the grace of the Lord the way they did. So, verses 1 says, without going there, verse 1 says, um, I want you to know, moreover, brethren, I want you to know of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. There was such a grace at work in their life. And there we saw such joy in tribulation and such giving in their difficult circumstances. And, and as Paul writes these things to them, he's giving you the keys within the chapters. And one of the keys besides their giving to the poor and their participating or sharing in the suffering of saints, what they did was they had given themselves to the Lord, which we had already spoken about, to the measure to which you have surrendered to Jesus is the measure to which you will also give. Right? And, and then it says, and they gave themselves to us. Right? Um, they, gave, they gave themselves to the Lord firstly, and then to us by the will of God. So it is the will of God for you to give yourself to your leaders. Right? And by the will of God, that means, that means there are certain boundaries to how far you go in your way that you give yourself to your leaders. Don't overstep boundaries. We are not worshipping leaders. 
we don't worship leaders, we honor leaders, right? But, so there are certain boundaries within the will of God, right? But, it was the, it was the way that they walked with their leaders, the sent ones, the, the people that were amongst them, that determined also the way the grace of God was actively at work within their lives. Okay? Are you all with me? So, the, this, this way of thinking, right? So they had a high view of their leaders. A view that, that many times, many times people in our context where we find ourselves, where maybe we are a little bit better off, well off, you've worked hard for that which you have and so on, that it becomes a, a difficult task to honor leaders and to look at them in a in a way that that uh, that shows that there is they, that they are, they have a reputation within and amongst the people. Are you all with me on that? Right. So uh, let's just read verses verses here. Let me see this one. Verses 23 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Right. I will, go, I will show you through the scriptures. I will show you through the scriptures that, that the way in which you receive your leaders is the man, determines the measure at which the grace of God that they bring will work in your life. Okay? Are you with me? So, yeah, he says, if anyone, I remember Paul says, I'm going to send Titus to you. Right? And I'm going to, he's coming to teach you how to give in grace. Right? And I want him to finish this work. And it says, if anyone inquires about Titus, right? He says, he is, first he is my partner and my fellow worker concerning you. He, now remember, Titus is one of Paul's spiritual sons. He's a son to Paul. Right? If you read the book of Titus, he says, unto my own son in the faith. So, Titus is one of his sons. But in your sonship, in your spiritual sonship towards fathers, right? Spiritual fathers. There is a, a, there is a change that can come in your relationship. You first as a son, but then later on it should grow into a place where you become a partner, a co-worker, a fellow laborer. Someone who works with the father for things that need to be done. Right? So... It is not, so now you're not just sitting, receiving, and all those type of things, but you're actually now participating in the mandate, in the work that is given to you, right? And he says, or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches. So now he says, Titus is not your brother. Don't see him as your brother. Don't see him as Titus. He says, he is your messenger. While he's my partner, while he's my fellow worker, he is your messenger. Right? In other words, he is showing them the way that you've got to view those who labor amongst you is that you've got to not just see them as a human. You've got to see the position and the place they have in the Lord and it is from there that you must receive them. 
You receive them as messengers of the churches, right? The, and the glory of Christ. So the way the, now Paul had this because that's how, that's how the Macedonian church behaved towards Paul and towards anybody that he sent to them and the leaders that were amongst them. So he is making sure that they receive Titus as a messenger, not just as Titus. Right? Okay? So, what can happen with us over a time period is that you can journey with leaders and you become familiar with them, that you have your perception and your view of your leader or of leaders around you has become to the place where you only know them by their name. That is JP. And you have lost sight that that person is a messenger to you. And you've lost sight that that person is one sent by God to you, right? And, and so your, your perception of the person is what causes, it what causes a hindrance, a short circuit, if you will, that, that that which is being dispensed and distributed to you is not coming to you the way it should because of the manner in which you view the person. And receive the person. You are to receive him as a messenger. If anybody asks, he is my partner, my fellow worker, but it is your messenger. Right? Remember, we, we must understand that we must work with grace. We work with the grace of giving, but we must know how to work with the grace of a sent one. How to respond, how to, how to work in a way that we receive what we should receive. Alright? So, let's go to, uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verses 1. Now remember, Philippians chapter 1 and verses 1, or, or not Philipp- the chapter, but the book of Philippians, uh, the Philippian church is part of the churches of Macedonia. Right? So when I began to discover it, I realized as the Holy Spirit led me, He led me to go and search, right, the book of Philippians and the book of Thessalonians, 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians, to read and look for what they did. And as I looked and I searched, I not only saw that they gave generously, but they also had a certain way in which they worked with their leaders. And Paul is kind of encouraging the Corinthian church, right, um, to receive to receive those who have been put into those positions in the way that you see them in the spirit. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, right, you will receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. Jesus went further on to say, if you receive someone that I send, you are not only receiving him, but you are receiving me. And if you receive me, you're receiving the one that sent me. So it goes all the way back to the Father in the manner in which you receive. Right? So here he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. 
Right? There were not three groups here. Saints, bishops, and deacons. He didn't say, and to the, saint, to the saints, and to the bishops, and, and to the deacons. But with the bishops and the deacons. We are one family. But over time, there are people that grow and become, they are able to lead others. Right? So, this idea, okay, but before I get to that idea, right, let, me, let me just say that when Paul came to Macedonia, to Philippi, which is the chief city of Macedonia, when he came there and the church started, there were no bishops, there were no deacons, there were no leaders amongst them. It was only Paul that was working and whoever traveled with him. There was nobody else. But as they fled, right, there arose bishops and deacons. Right? Are you all with me? So, the idea, the idea that church does not have leaders is nonsense. So, the idea where we can gather as a groupi mensa, and it's fine if you gather as a group of, as a, as a group of people, believers. I want to know, when is someone going to arise from your group as a leader amongst you? If no one is arising as a leader, it means nobody is growing. You it, makar happy. But no one is growing up as a leader. And what it also tells me is that nobody amongst you has the ability to submit to somebody else. Right? When you study the book of Acts and you read through it, whenever they were scattered or they fled to different places, right? When they fled to different places, as they fled there, then those saints that were scattered... Those saints that went to other cities because of the persecution that was happening in one place and they went to another place. When they came there and they started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happened was people started getting saved. Right? But as they were saved, that's your, that's your group of people. Eventually, elders and deacons and bishops and leaders arose from amongst the people. The idea... That church, that people are more mature because they don't need leaders. Sorry is a wrong notion. In fact, the more you grow, the easier it should be to submit. I don't see how somebody can grow, but if, as you're growing, you find it harder to submit. It should become easier because... That is the clear sign, right? Now, I didn't choose to... This was not on my mind. When I was thinking about breaking free from the spirit of poverty, my mind wasn't thinking about leaders and bringing this. But I, I discovered that that is what happens, right? Um, there is a kind of hindrance that it brings to you. You may not feel it in, in a certain place, but there is a lack, there is... Something that it does to you. And, and so I want to, I want to counter that idea that when, whenever, 
Whenever people are becoming more mature, they don't need leaders anymore. And when you see a group of people, they can hear the Lord, they can, they, you know, they, they can, you can see there's proof and there's evidence that yes, they have a relationship with God, but that simply does not mean, that does not mean that that is the order of God. Right? That does not mean that that is the way of God. So this church as they grew with the bishops and the deacons, right? There were leaders amongst them that grew. And so eventually amongst us there must be leaders. And amongst us more leaders must come forth. And we must have the ability and the humility to be able to receive the leaders that grow amongst us. And those too, those the Lord has sent to us, there is, I want to say like this, there is no church without leaders. But Facebook wants you to know. Right? Facebook wants you to know. Through all the independent, isolated, those who don't know how to submit, who find it hard, that they want you to know that there is no such thing. But the more you study the book of Acts, every time... When there was just saints, eventually there were elders and deacons. It is one of the signs that the church is maturing. Right? And the Macedonian church, they, this is the Philippi Macedonian church, they had this ability to not struggle with their leaders, but rather to hold them in high reputation. Right? To see them according to the manner in which God has set them, sent them, ordained them, and in the function of which they work. Firstly, before I want to receive you as a human man. Are you all with me? Okay? Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter 6. Chapter 1, sorry. Did I say chapter 1? No, sorry. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6. Look what Paul says, and he's writing to the Thessalonians, the churches of Macedonia. Look what he's saying to you. He's saying, listen. He says, when we came to you, you became followers of us. And of the Lord. See again, they gave themselves to the Lord and unto us. You became followers of us and the Lord. Right? Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Right? So the Thessalonian church, the Macedonians had an ability to follow their leaders. You know what the word follow there means? It means to imitate it means to mimic. Right? It, it means to... It basically means to imitate this, that which is inside of them. Right? Which is from Christ. And imitate that. Okay? So I don't want you to... Uh, you know, if I sit at the table, I, I'll probably maybe just sit very quiet and watch. And, and then, you know... 
I'm not laughing too much and so on. And I so said, oh, the Bible says we must imitate our leaders. Come sit my net to still JP. And we say, lachy, you know, don't like jokes and that type of thing. No, 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 no. No, that's not, not my personality. Because the word tupos, tupos, that word, I woke up twice during the night. And the first time, tupos. I went to sleep again, and this word tupos came again. That word tupos, as I said to you, means, it means an example. It means a blueprint, a model, right? But the model of what? We have an icon in the church, not me, the church of Jesus Christ, okay? Because the Greek word for image is icon. And that Greek word image, uh, our image is Christ. And the model that leaders bring to you is not their personality. The tupos that's in them, the blueprint, is Christ. Because we are all called to be conformed to the image of Christ. The firstborn, the prototype of all the sons of God. So when a leader comes, he's not presenting himself. There is a, there is an image. There is, the word tupos means to be struck. I mean, there was a measure of striking in his life to shape out the image of God. Right? So that when he comes, he presents not himself, but the image of God. So that those who now imitate the tupos, not the man, personality, but the tupos, the blueprint that he brings within himself, that when they imitate that, they're actually imitating Christ, right? So this is why the Bible speaks about sonship, that you are a son to a spiritual father, so that because a son is on the work, is busy with imitating the father. So that what happens around us, so that now we hear of Christ, but we also see Christ. And when we see Christ, then what happens is there's a mass production of Christ, the image. So what we are looking for, so this is the order of God that is Christocentric. The only reason Paul said, follow me, is because he said, I was following Christ. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The tupos that is in me, the blueprint, is Christ. So it's very Christ-centered. The order of God, of father and son, leaders and the churches, bishops and deacons, is for the purpose to have Christ formed. It's Christocentric. Right? And last night when I woke up the second time and I heard tupos, I heard the words, what you have seen is very important. I heard those words, the Lord said to me, this is very important what you have seen. I saw something that I didn't see before. I mean, we taught this thing, but we didn't realize to the magnitude of what we are saying. They became followers of us. They imitated, you imitated us. And look what happened when they imitate, verses 5. Do you remember we had this meeting about these verses? Do you remember? What did we say? We're just going to believe. Lo and behold, the Holy Spirit is busy with what we believed. Right? I didn't know we were going to end up here. And he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word 
No, sorry. The, the next one. It was seven. Did I say previous one? So that you became tupos. There's the word tupos. So that you became a model, a blueprint to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. In other words, so how did they become the, the tupos, the example? Is because they were imitating leaders. Can I say to you, follow me, not your brothers and your sisters. Paul didn't say follow your brother and your sister. Paul said follow me. Why? Because your brother and your sister is still growing. And many people leave churches because of their brother and their sister that offended them when their job was to follow their leaders, not their brothers and their sisters. You see, that's why Paul had to encourage the Corinthian church. He said to them, follow me. As, a, as, a, as, a, as your father, I warn you, he says. And he says, as my beloved sons, I warn you. And he says, therefore, I'm going to send you a son. Timothy will teach you how to follow a father. And then he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Brothers and sisters, your, your first job is to follow your leader, not your brother and your sister. Your brother and your sister is still dealing with these issues. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Now, let me also say that it doesn't mean I'm perfect. But I'm willing to take that thing upon my shoulders. Uh, you know what it did to me? It's like, wow, I, re- I really need to understand Christ better. Because he's the model. He's the prototype. And in me, when I come, that's why apostles, when you talk about apostles, you talk about order, blueprints, designs, patterns. You know, sonship, this thing. So, what happens is that this is the way that God goes about the formation of Christ in us. With leaders, you going through your trials and things and how an example is set to you. You will see consistently, as we go through the scriptures, you consistently, you will see how Paul kept on saying, you know, I, I behaved like this. Did my sons behave the same? This is how. We gave you an example. We walked in this way. Did the others walk the same? You know, it was an example that he was showing them. Right? And so, and so, they became examples of what they were imitating. What were they imitating? Who were they imitating? Christ in their leaders. And they had that ability to follow them. Follow. Okay? Mr. Licky van Ashton Cray, follow, follow, follow. Ashton likes that song. Follow, follow. <laughs> And when they became in examples, a two-pause, a blueprint, the next verse happens, verses 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. You know the word sounded forth, it, it's, it's like an echo. It's not like they were, they were giving a different sound off. They were giving the very same sound that they had received. What, because it was, 
a reverberation, reverberate, echo, bouncing off. Because the same model is being shaped in God's people. And as that happens, there is a sound that is being released. And everybody around, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but also in every place, your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. A model. The Corinthian church had this problem. They struggled to follow their leaders. And because they struggled with that, in that struggle, it brought about their many different issues. But Paul didn't have those issues with the Thessalonians and the Philippians. In fact, they are commended. The Thessalonians are commended because they were an example. Why? Because they, they did this one thing. They followed their leaders. Brothers and sisters, your brother and sister here in this family will offend you. It's a given. I don't need to be a prophet to tell you that. Right? It will happen. Right? I don't need to be a prophet to tell you at one stage you will struggle with the issue of submitting to me or to other leaders. I don't need to be a prophet to tell you that. It is a natural. It will happen. There will come a time when you will be offended. The, the problem is... That we must overcome those things. And your job is not so much to follow your brothers and your sisters unless they have become elders. Because elders in the book of Peter, it says that they are also an example, a two-pos. Somebody that you can model. Somebody that you can find the blueprint of how I should walk in Christ. Right? Your job is to follow your leaders. The, the better you do that, the more it will have a, I would say, an acceleration in your life. Let me, let me give you a, a scripture. Hebrews. Remember, what did we say in cutting our way forward? When Jesus submitted to his parents... It says he increased. He cut his way forward. Watch, watch this. Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 17. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So, what it means is, you are not benefiting from the grace that is in them that was sent for you. And that grace was meant to build or to build you, to cause an increase to come across upon you spiritually and physically we've seen it over and over it happens over and over i've been more than 20 years now in the lord and i tell you i have seen it over and over you can come with nothing but the minute you submit i've always seen it always always the minute someone has a submission submission or a submissive heart there's just this thing that goes like this 
It just goes like that. It, you just see the word opens. You just see they start to transform and change. You just see the changes. You see how things even physically start changing around them. It just happens automatically. But when we, but when we do not have this ability to submit because we're under this false impression that, they, that the church shouldn't really have leaders. equal. Right? But that is not biblical. I, was, I wasn't expecting to find all the scriptures that I got as, as I was going into, into this whole thing of, of the manner in which they, um, they worked with their leaders. Tell the person next to you, you need to have a high view of your leader and leaders. For your benefit. It's to your disadvantage. No party so I would I wouldn't have dared said things like this. But I am after your benefit. You know, if I still had a problem, there would be the measure of pride. Because I'm self I'm focused on myself. That's why I don't want to share it. You know, that false type of humility. That, no, listen. This is the way it works. This is the way it works. Right? It is unprofitable to you. If, because you make it harder for them to lead you. Let, Let me, I hope I can find that one. Yeah, uh, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we'll just uh, leave it at that uh, verses um, 12 and 13 look what Paul is writing to the Macedonian churches and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor among you And are over you in the Lord. And admonish you. Okay? To esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. You know the word esteem means? I found that very strange in the Greek. The word esteem. You know, in English we know that would be to think highly of someone. Now, it's one of the meanings. It means to, to think, to account, to consider, right? But its first meaning, it means to lead or command. That's a esteem, lead or command. And then I got it. When you think highly of your leader, it's easier for them to lead you and command you with official authority. But when, when your view of the person has gone down, it becomes harder for them to lead you. And it becomes harder for you to be led by them. The, uh, I can apply this into marriage. 
Because if you don't, if you don't have the proper perspective of your husband, then it's, it's hard for your husband to lead you. That's why the Bible says that Sarah, she, she obeyed her husband calling him Lord. What's Lord? You know, I, I'm not saying you must go to now your husband and say, My Lord, um, do, did you eat enough, my Lord? No. I'm saying her perspective of him. She recognized the position. She recognized the authority in him to say no. And then you to be at peace with that. It was so uh, interesting. We have a family that's visiting us here from the border. And, and um, so I was now, I was obviously now a little bit sick in the week. And I think it was Thursday. Was it Thursday that you went to go visit Marley? So it was Thursday. And um, so then they said, no, uh, why don't you come over quickly? They said, oh, why don't you come over quickly and you come, just make a visit. And we can chat and so on. It's during the day. Now, you know, on Samana, on the from Pamperlang, as a sickness. No, it's lacquer. <laughs> I take advantage of that. <laughs> I know my wife will still do it. Don't worry. <laughs> and it was so interesting to see the manner in which my wife came to me. She said that they said that they are, they are free now. Can I come over? And she said, um, what do you think? Can I go? She come to me and say, I'm going. She said, you know, you know, that doesn't mean everywhere my wife goes, she's asking me. You know, if she's going to the school, she doesn't say, can I go to school? <laughs> you know, or can I go to the shop quickly? Or, no, my wife doesn't do that. She just says, you know, I'm going to the shop quickly to buy some things. I'll see you just now. No, it's okay, fine. But she came and she said, this was now one of those rare things. And she said, can I go? Is it okay with you? I said, yeah, sure, go. I mean... Why not? Go. And, and she went. But it was very interesting, that, that picture. I, I saw that submissive picture, right? You know, this word esteem. Your husband can't lead you if your perception of him is just another man. You have to recognize him. The minute you got married... There was a position given to him. And you have to recognize that. And you have to esteem him for that place. Similarly, we, we, I as a leader have a place. You have to recognize that. And honor that. Because this is how things work to your benefit. Right? Because, you know, if a husband wants his wife to submit to him, I want to know, do you give the same submission to your leaders? Because you are the image, and I am your image, says the Bible. 
Bible says the man is the image and the glory of Christ. And the woman is the image and the glory of the man. In other words, the woman reveals the man and the man reveals Christ. So at the end of the day, Christ is seen in the husband and the wife. So that when we have children, Christ is produced in the children. Because Christ is here. So the wife follows the man. But the man, show me how you submit to Christ. Show me, reveal it to me. You know? No, Hansant is a kupsua. Yeah, listen, I'm balanced. Don't worry. I'm balanced. Right? So, that's why I mentioned that. You know, because the husband must also showcase. But that doesn't mean if he doesn't showcase, you are exempted from doing. Right? So, if you can start from this point, start from this point, you don't need a good reason to submit. Start there. It's something I'm saying now often. You don't need a good reason to submit. That, that would not be our thinking. Because the book of Peter says that when you, have lead, when you have a boss that treats you unfairly and cruelly, it says this, you must take it patiently. And you must still obey him even though it brings to you hardship and pain but then it says you are making God happy by this it's not always about your happiness your happiness is if you are unhappy it doesn't always mean that this is not it's now not the will of the Lord because the, the goal is to make God happy. And the Bible says, you were called unto this, for Christ left us an example. Tupos. There. A model of how you should submit to authority, even if they are crucifying you. Right? And God... Is faithful to reward you for that obedience. You understand? There has to be a high level of honor for leaders. Brothers and sisters, family, I say to you by the scriptures, follow me first. Right? I mean that in the house now. Not with the Lord. You follow the Lord, then you follow your leaders. But imitate me. Look for what is where Christ is in me. Right? Are you all with me? That, because if you are unable to submit, esteem them very highly. You know that word highly is forbay. Very highly means over you. Very highly means beyond even measure. Right? So that in that, in that way, you make it easier for the work of the Lord to advance. And the grace of God to work in your life. And this is why Paul said, this is why Paul said this thing to the Thessalonians. He says, 
And you receive the word from us, not as a word of man, but as it was in truth, the very word of God, which actively works in you who believe. The word of God becomes alive. The word active is that word where we were ergon, in ergon, that working of the spirit. The word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. But that word is not alive in you when your view of a leader has gone downwards. That is J.P. Vaprat. And Paul says, I send you Titus and I want you to receive him as a messenger. Paul says to the Galatian church, when I came to you, you received me as an angel, even as Christ. Even while I was going through my difficulties. Are you all with me? Right? This is how the Macedonian church advanced through the grace of God. That's how the grace, that was one of the reasons why the grace of God worked so well in their lives and they were able to become an example to others. Okay? Let's stand. I don't want to continue. I just want to leave you with those thoughts. Right? The, the, um, It is to your advantage. It is to your profit. It, is, it causes your acceleration. It does. When you submit, you increase. And that is more what I'm after than what I'm, I'm after being treated like some special guy. Right? We are not after that. We are after your increase and your growth. What I'm telling you is what I'm practicing with my own spiritual father. Right? And so, these are things that we need to tick off and look and search within ourselves. The better you view your leaders, the, the higher your perspective and your esteem and the way in which you hold them in your heart, the quicker the word will work in your life and the more alive it will be within you. Right? Because, because our modern day of Facebook, Twitter, I say this often, but now I have discovered now the scriptures. So it's easy to say I don't need to listen to you because I can just go find somebody on Facebook or on YouTube. But that is not the divine order of God. Amen? Right? Let's pray. Father, my prayer is this. That your people will prosper spiritually and physically. My desire is that they would cut their way forward. And that they would increase in stature, in wisdom, in favor with God and man. These are all the things that Jesus experienced from his submission that was in his heart. Even though he was Christ in the flesh, yet from a human perspective, he still needed to follow 
the divine order that allowed the Christ in him to come forth fully. And my prayer, Father, is that as Paul spoke to the Thessalonians and said, hold them in high reputation. I pray that wherever we are offended, I pray that that offense would be removed, Father. And I pray that you will work with your people. My prayer is that we would have a high esteem and that we would actually be able to see Christ in our leaders. And I pray even for myself and for the leaders within KGM that we would be a tupos, that we would be a model and example. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray a blessing upon your people. I pray that they would would simply just increase in wisdom and knowledge. And I pray that the favor also would grow and increase in their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen.